Welcome to the Self-Growth Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Marie, a courage coach, creative soul, and adventure seeker. Since through hiking the Pacific Crest Trail in 2019, I'm on a mission to help you embrace your most confident self so you can achieve your dreams too. If you're eager for deep conversations, big questions, and meaningful connections, join me on the quest to discovering how we can create a more magical and memorable life. Hello, nerds! How are you? I'm really good. I just got back from a two-week holiday in Nicaragua with my partner, Ollie, and our trip has inspired today's topic. Um, I want to talk about love today and how to love better. Um, if you've ever traveled alone with someone in a country that's very different from your own, that has a different language, a different culture, you know that it can be challenging on you and who you are in the relationship because you're face-to-face with a lot of unexpected events, a different environment, a different way of thinking. Uh, It's harder to plan, it's harder to... um, you're you're in an unknown terrain and it's just more challenging to navigate. Um, so I want to talk about love in those times. And I'm going to focus on an intimate relationship, but um, you can apply what I'm going to teach to, to, to anyone in your life and not just to uh, situations where you might be traveling but situations where you might be stressed and you might be stepping into a new era of your life or your partner might be going through something just you know those times when uh there's a lot of unknown right and they're the most challenging times for us to love well um and that's what i want to talk about but i'm gonna start with a little story um, that happened on our trip. So midway through the trip, we were like in a little town in the middle of nowhere and I had issues with my ears. I couldn't hear. I had about like 10, 10% of my earring and you cannot imagine, I could never have imagined how crazy that makes you feel. Like I felt so frustrated and so alone and so misunderstood. It is so weird to walk through the world with this one of your main uh, sense uh, gone or almost gone. Um, And so Ollie was there and everything that he was doing was pissing me off. Was pissing me off so bad. I mean, I was like, I was hating on the whole world in in that moment. And he, he was there right there in front of me so he was receiving a lot of my uh a lot of my frustration um and then once we managed to go to a bigger city go to a drugstore and get what i needed and i got my hearing back I was feeling euphoric. And that day, I felt so in love with Ollie. Everything that he was doing was funny. And I was just, you know, in a place of bliss and, you know, wanted to cuddle with him. And I thought to myself, oh my God, 
like there is such a stark difference in how I feel about him today versus yesterday. How is it possible that yesterday, like I was so annoyed with him that I wanted to just leave him on the beach and go. Um, and today I, I'm in love again. Like the, this was teaching me something that I already knew, but there's so many things that we already know that we need to be taught over and over again. So this was teaching me that love is not dependent on what someone does or doesn't do. Okay, love is not something that you feel or don't feel depending on what the person is doing or saying or looking like. It's not something that happens to you in a passive way like we see in the movies, like the this like magical powder that falls onto you one day and that you feel love and then one day it goes away. That's not that's not how it works. As if like it's like this this uh, magical thing that takes over you. No, it's just a feeling that's created by your thoughts. By the stories that you tell yourself about this other person. And we do that unconsciously, right? We have so many thoughts. We have like, I don't know what the number is, but like 60,000 thoughts a day. So it feels... So it, it it is unconscious, but um, but we can learn. We can either let our thoughts run wild, or we can learn to gain more awareness of them, and have more power over the ones that we believe. Right? But I'm gonna come back to that later. Now, your the thoughts you have about someone will depend on your expectations of this person and how well they meet them or not. I'm going to say that again. Your thoughts about someone will depend on the expectations you have of them and how well they meet them or not. That's what we call the manual. You have a manual for every single person in your life. You have a manual for your partner, a manual for your mom, a manual for your friends... Uh, a manual of instructions of how they should behave. And very often, we want them to follow this manual. If they follow the manual to a T, we feel good. If they don't follow the manual, we feel bad. Okay? Um, this is called emotional childhood. Emotional childhood is when we blame other people for how we feel. And it's very easy to fall into emotional childhood when we're hungry, when we're sleepy, when we're stressed out. Because when we're stressed out, when we're hungry, when we're sleepy, our nervous system goes out of whack. Dysregulation. And when the nervous system is dysregulated, we fall into uh, fight or flight mode. We let our primitive brain take over. Just like a tired kid is going to be more likely to have a tantrum. Like, no, I want the iPad. Now. Um, we become a lot more rigid when we are in fight or flight mode because our nervous system is seeking harmony, it's seeking safety. 
So the manual that we have for the other person becomes that much more important. You have to follow my manual. You have to act as I want you to act for me to feel good. And if you don't, then I'm going to feel very, very angry because my emotional life is dependent on you. That's what that's the danger of having a manual. Is when when you fall into a space where uh, you're hungry, you're sleepy, you're stressed, that manual becomes like uh, you're you're putting your well-being into the hands of somebody else. You're putting your well-being uh, uh, in the hands of the person who's supposed to have read your manual and follow it to a T. Like that is a great plan for chaos. One thing we might do if the other person is not following your manual to a T, is try to punish them by withdrawing our love. Okay? Like, you haven't acted how I want... You haven't taken care of me today, like, exactly like I wanted you to take care of me, and so I'm going to withdraw my love from you right now. But that doesn't work. We're trying to punish them but we mainly punish ourselves because we cannot make someone feel our anger because anger comes from our thoughts. Like any feelings, they all come from our thoughts. So if if I want only to feel my anger, what's really happening is I feel angry and from that anger, I take action. My action might be to... Uh, withdraw my love like I was saying and then he he's gonna have thoughts about my actions and his thoughts are gonna determine how he feels right it's not like I can like take a sticker of anger and stick it onto him that's not how it works uh, if if my uh, reaction to my anger is to uh pout to, uh, to to close myself off, his thoughts might be, she's having a hard time. She's having a hard time and it's going to pass. And how is that going to make him feel? It's going to make him feel, you know, uh, indifferent. Maybe it's going to make him feel um, em- empathy. But it's not going to make him feel anger and if my goal is to punish him and make me make him feel my anger is that's that's just not going to work the same way that you cannot make someone else feel your love you can act in a loving way when you feel love you're going to act in a loving way but it's the other person's thoughts that are going to determine whether or not they feel love Okay, I'm sure you've ever been in a situation where you're you're acting loving towards someone, and they still feel insecure or they still look like they don't care. It's because they have their own thoughts about your behavior, right? Again, you cannot take a, a sticker of love and stick it to somebody else. They're in charge of their own feeling 
of love, no matter how much you try. I think my partner is a great example of loving well, because no matter what I do, no matter how annoying I am, he always loves me. He has no manual for me. Um, and I mean, it's okay to have expectations. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not telling you to have no expectations towards the people that you love. It's okay to have expectations as long as you don't attach your emotional well-being to them. Okay, that's the difference. That's the big difference. This is called emotional adulthood, is when you take responsibility for how you feel. You get to decide how you want to feel and feeling love is a choice, okay? You get to decide, I'm going to feel love. I'm not going to hang my feelings of love on what this person does or doesn't do. I'm just going to decide I want to feel love because it is great to feel this way. I hear you. I hear you telling me, oh yeah, that's easy to say, Marie, but much harder to do. And I agree. I agree. So what I do when I see my brain coming up with these dramatic stories is I like to ask myself, well, first you have to like be aware. You have to to look at yourself and be like, oh, okay. Okay, I'm I'm getting I'm I'm going there. Part of my brain's going there. Um and then I like to ask myself, what's the thought that's causing this? What's the thought that's ca- causing this, this upheaval in my mind? Uh for example, very often it's going to be a thought with a should in it, like he should take better care of me. And we have to realize that it's the thought that's creating the anger or the absence of love. It's not the person. So in those moments, we have to be brave enough to let go of all the shoulds. The shoulds that you have for yourself, for the other person, for your relationship. Like I noticed when we were traveling, when we when we were alone, it was fine. But sometimes we were we were in a space where there were other people. Like let's say we're like in the the public space of the hostel, and there's other couples. Then I had I had a thought in my mind: we shouldn't be on our phones. We should uh, be talking. We should look like we're in love. We should look like we're connecting. We we shouldn't be in our own little universe. Like we should look a certain way as a couple. <laughs> Which is funny because all of those shoulds just disappear when it was just the two of us because I was not afraid of what we of what we were projecting. Um, but when I knew that other people were looking at us, it's like I was trying to look at our relationship through the eyes of other people. And then all of those shoulds would pop up of what we should look like. What a healthy couple, what a loving couple looks like. And so this was causing like inner conflict in me. It was making me feel like, um, tension, 
all of those shoulds were making me feel tense. So it's just, it's okay. It's human to have those thoughts. Um, you just want to observe them and not let them take over. Not let them take over your actions, right? Interrupt the pattern there. Notice your thinking and 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 interrupt the pattern there. Um, because what happens when you lack the self-awareness is that you get annoyed with, let's say, in this situation, you're like, uh, that would be me, okay? I'd be like, oh, we shouldn't be on our phone. Like, let's have a deep conversation. Let, let go of your phone. Let, let's have a deep conversation together. And I would force things. Force things so that they would match my manual of what, my manual of what, like, the perfect relationship looks like. But that is a way to make you go insane. This is a very heavy way to live your life. Okay? So, um, what I also do when I see my brain coming up with all of those dramatic stories is I ask myself, okay, Murray, the last time you were calm and you had a clear mind, how did a you think about him how did you think about your relationship and most often you know what the answer to this question is well the last time I felt calm and I had a clear mind I thought that he was really fun and I he was weird and funny and I loved him and I was so happy to be here with him and I'm like oh okay 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 see see (laughs) and I'm like yeah I know I know I'm doing this thing again (laughs) And so then I ask myself, how can I take responsibility for my feelings right now? Um, what, do I, what do I need to do for myself right now so that I can go back to this place of calm and clear-mindedness? That might mean taking some time alone to read a book. This might mean just breathing looking out at the water. It's all about fulfilling your own needs instead of expecting the other person to fulfill, to read your mind and then fulfill your needs. And fulfilling your needs sometimes means asking the other person to do something for you. Like, oh, could you give me some time alone? Or could you, I would, I would really love it if you gave me a massage. I don't know. Could you do that? for me right now that's taking ownership of what you need the other person might say no but that's okay because your your well-being doesn't depend uh on what they do or don't do um okay so if we summarize when you see and that's the first step getting better and better at observing when you go from a calm state to a tense state where you see your brain for whatever reason. Maybe it, maybe it's a trauma response. Maybe it's just um, uh, maybe it's just hormonal. Maybe you haven't slept well, and you see your brain going to those dramatic stories. You have to first notice, then ask yourself the thought that's causing this this inner turbulence. 
then one thing I like to do in a situation like this is, what did I think about them the last time I was calm and I had a clear mind? I reconnect with that. And then I, I ask myself, how can I take responsibility for how I feel right now? How can I take care of myself right now? Okay. And sometimes you're not going to have the capacity. Like, let's say you're really stressed or you're really tired. You're not necessarily going to have the capacity to calm your mind. But what you want to do there is practice not letting your, your feelings of anger affect your actions. Okay? Because when you let those thought the thoughts that create the anger turn into action that's where you create a reality that you don't want to create that's where you create a reality that comes from a place of fear and we don't want that so we want to interrupt the pattern before it turns into action okay and i want to remind you that everyone is a hundred percent lovable you are, your partner is, everyone in your life is 100% lovable. And your lovability or someone else's lovability is not dependent on them, but the, on the observer's ability to feel love. Okay? And many different factors are going to influence your ability to feel love. If you grew up in a very loving family, for example, it might be easier for you to have thoughts about people that are going to make you feel love. But the good news is that it's not fixed. Love ability is a skill that you can learn. Like I said at the beginning, don't fall into the trap of thinking that love is something that just happens to you. That's what we see in the Hollywood movies. <gasps> love happens to you and it's wonderful and then one day it leaves. And that's not how it goes. Yes, it's easier to feel love when you first meet someone because there's the love hormone, oxytocin, that helps you to focus, to, to just hyper-focus on all of the good that you see in the, the other person. Also, you don't know them, so you don't know about the other stuff, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So this, the love hormone, like, helps you focus on everything that's amazing about this person. And you also create this story around them, this amazing story about them that makes it so much easier for you to feel love towards them. Just like when you travel somewhere beautiful. Like, whenever I travel somewhere beautiful, I'm like, I should move here. I should move here. When I went to Mexico, I was like, I want to move here. This place is amazing. But I know that if I was to move there, my love for the place would change over time. It would get harder over time to love the place because I would see the 50-50 of the place. Like the longer you're with someone, the more you see the 50-50 of this person. Uh, just like when you get a new job. Like you, you get a new job, you're euphoric about all the new things and the new people. Um, and it's just easier to focus on the positives. And then the longer you stay, the more effort it requires. The more effort it requires because you live with this 
And you've got to work on looking at the quote-unquote negative. I don't like to see like the world in black and white, but let's say like there's a 50% that's not... Um, that's more challenging to love, you've got to work on how you look at this, quote, negative 50%. This requires a lot of creativity. <laughs> and that, that, my friends, is my new definition of courage. Courage, like, Again, in the Hollywood movies, we see courage as like going for it, like running after the person that you love and telling them that you love them, like while the rain is falling onto you and like jumping on a horse and going to do the scary things, like going to fight and trying something new and putting yourself out there. That's what we see as courageous. But there is a lot of courage also in staying where you are in committing to the person that you're with, to the city you live in, to the job that you're doing, and to using your your creativity uh, to, f- to find a way to look at this, to find a perspective that's going to make you feel love for the person that you've been with for a long time. Um, Uh, That's going to make you feel passion for the job that you've been in for a long time. That's going to make you feel curiosity about the city that you've lived in for a long time. That requires a lot of courage, but it, it develops your mind in a way that's underrated. What most people do when they get bored is they change partner or... Uh, or they change city, or they change job, they change their external environment in order to affect their internal environment. But that means you're dependent on the external, and all of your power lies in developing your capacity to change your inner environment. And some people are going to, let's say, stay with their partner because they think they have to, but they're not really going to be there, okay? And that is the same as just leaving to go to another partner. If you've been with someone, let's say, for 30 years, but you've kind of given up on creating the love and you're just there because you think you have to be there, you're not really there. That's just the same as leaving to go see someone else. No, what what I mean is, is mastering the art of finding the lens to look at life so that you create the feelings that you want to feel. Okay? And again, I'm not telling you not to have expectations and I'm not saying that if you choose to feel love for someone, it means that you never leave. I'm not saying any of that. Okay? Uh, there's no uh, bad side. There's no, uh, what's the word? Uh, Nothing bad comes from deciding this is my person right now. This is the person for me right now and I decide to love them no matter what. There's no downside. That's the word I was looking for. There's no downside to thinking this is the job I'm in right now and I decide to 
freaking love that job no matter what. There's no downside to that. It doesn't mean you're never going to leave. It means you're taking full radical responsibility for how you feel. It means you're deciding to have both of your feet in this relationship, in this place, and doing the work to tend to your garden, doing the work to water your garden. And that's what I meant earlier when I was saying doing the work to find the thoughts that are going to make the feeling of love grow. That's hard work. It's just just like taking care of a garden. Slow. It's taking care of a garden is boring. I mean, it's not boring. It's boring to me. <laughs> what I mean is it requires patience and faith. And thinking to yourself, this is the garden that I'm growing right now, doesn't mean that you're you have to take care of this garden forever and ever and ever. It means that you're not going to leave this person or you're not going to leave this job or you're not going to leave this garden because it's not growing fast enough. Because because um, you're not going to leave a relationship because the other person is not manufacturing the feelings that you want. You're not going to leave a job because the job is not making you feel how you want to feel. Again, this is emotional childhood. And that's what most that that's what that's what we see in most of society sadly i expect you and i expect this job and i expect this city to make me feel a certain way and if it doesn't and when it no or when it no longer does i'm going to go away or i'm going to shut down okay uh so that's that's it for today um, basically, loving better is all about noticing when you're in emotional childhood and trying to get to emotional adulthood. It's hard. Yeah, I, mean, I already hear you say, but that's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. No shit. But you can do hard things. You can do hard things. And it might be more challenging for you in certain areas of your life. Like I know I was telling you about my partner. I know that for him, it's easy to love me no matter what I do. He doesn't have a manual for me, but he has a manual for other things in his life. So ask yourself, where in your life do you attach your emotional life to a manual, to a a strict manual of instruction? Where in your life do you indulge in emotional childhood? Where in your life do you put your well-being into the hands of what someone or something or some organization does or doesn't do. Just ask yourself that. And before we go, I want to plant the seed in your mind uh, that Brave and Bold, my coaching program, is going to open again this fall. And I'm going to host two information sessions because I want you, if you want to come, to make sure there's a, a time that works for you. So one is going to be on August 31st and one is going to be on September 1st. Okay. August 31st and September 1st. Um, so you can go apply to work with me at selfgroupnerds.com slash brave and bold. And if I think that you're a good fit, that we're a good fit to work together and that I can actually help you, um, I'm going to send you all 
all the information to attend those sessions, okay? So that's it for this week. I will talk to you again next week and I uh, encourage you to observe yourself this week. See all the stories that your brain comes up with and take, uh, take power over them. You get to choose the stories you want to listen to and let go of the ones that don't serve you. Okay. I love you all. Bye-bye. You just listened to the Self-Growth Nerds podcast. Make sure to subscribe and to find me on Instagram at Nerds. If you want individual help developing the confidence to create a more meaningful and exciting life, visit selfgrowthnerds.com today to learn how. Finally, I want to thank my friend Etienne Galano for editing this. And I want to thank you, kind-hearted souls, for growing into your truest, most courageous selves every day and making this world a better, more beautiful place. My name is Marie, and I will talk to you next week.